Oh, yeah. You... What's going on, BetSpurters? How are we doing today? We're back at it again for another week of BetSpurts Golf DFS with my main man, Ron Kloss, who has been kind of MIA for the last little while. And I feel like cashing tickets from his couch eating potato chips is what I've uh, I've been kind of imagining because the guy's just been on an absolute heater the last little while. And I'm so happy to have you back. I, I really appreciate my two other guests filling in for you, but it's nothing like the original, Ron, right? Yeah, no potato chips either. Um, totally healthy diet, by the way. Um, but yeah, no, good to be back on with you, Byron. Uh, thanks for holding down the fort the last couple of weeks. Uh, Ryan and Andy are awesome. Both did a great job. But yeah, great to be back here. You know, Pebble Beach, um, the greatest meeting of land and sea. You know, it's kind of a shame. This field is so weak. I really wish they would find a way to get rid of the Pro-Am and kind of let these three courses just stand out on their own. And so hopefully the tour will kind of find a way to turn this into an elevated event in the near future. Yeah, I definitely think there's an opportunity to do that because I, I don't understand why you'd make next week an elevated event when you got the Super Bowl right thereafter. It just doesn't make any logical sense, but maybe they know stuff that we do not. However, it doesn't really matter because DFS is DFS. There's 10K guys, 9K guys, the whole shebang. We're going to check them out. But before we get into that, we need to uh, kind of discuss some things before we get into the slate. And one of them is the actual course that we'll be playing. So let's take a look at what's going on here. We've got three different courses. They all Are they all past 72s or is one of them past 71? I can't quite uh, figure out if, if they Yeah, are. Monterey. Monterey is a par 71. It's the only okay. one. Yeah. So that's what's cooking over there. Par fives are still in abundance. I mean, we're going to be playing 15 of them or, or whatever throughout the week which is important. I think keeping your ball in play is essential. Accuracy off the tee. A lot of shots are going to be coming from 100 to 150 this week. I think that's a very important range too. And then just being a general good scrambler of the golf ball, being able to get up and down from bunkers, from rough, making sure you can get those five-foot power putts rolling in. So that's basically how I've I've gone about you know, uh, ranking my guys and, and getting my model built. Is there anything you want to add to to that kind of course preview there from my side, Ron? Yeah, I think all three courses are similar in a lot of ways. You know, they're each pretty much under 7,100 yards. Um, they all have smaller than average greens. Of course, Pebble is famous for having the smallest greens on tour, only 3,500 square feet. I mean, some of these are like so tiny. It's, it's just unbelievable. Um, the target zones these players are, are shooting at, um, you know, they're all obviously exposed to the Pacific Coast. Um, some courses more than others, of course, Spyglass, which I'm hoping we see um, some Spyglass coverage um, on PGA Tour Live because, mm. you know, I've heard some really good things about that course. You know, I know the first five holes are kind of along the ocean and then the last 13 kind of head through the uh, Del Monte Forest. And so really interested to see, hopefully see some of that. Um, obviously, Poa Greens, and these are kind of slow since they're near the coast. Um, and so, you know, that's something to look at. The, the rough is non-penal. Um, we're talking two inches or less. Um, and of course, approach play, you know, and, and kind of that along with, you know, pole putting, you know, are kind of two big things I'm looking for this week. So yeah, you, you kind of covered the rest of it. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, so that's what's cooking over there for the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Obviously there's two, it's gonna be going off in two sims with two amateurs with them. And 
the amateurs that they're playing with are celebrities for the most part, and they range from skill sets to Jake Owen kind of almost beating Jordan Spieth on a particular day. Just kidding, that's not going to happen, but you know what I'm talking about. There's different levels of skill sets that you can find yourself getting paired up with at a venue like this. So do we want to also just uh, take a quick peek at, before we get into the slate, we have to take a look at the magic and damage that you did two weeks ago, Ron. And I, I want to take a bit of credit for this because you were obviously watching the show and taking my advice and Ryan's advice. And then you just went and won yourself a casual, what, $50,000? $25,000. Yeah. $25,000. So uh, I guess you threw it on red afterwards and turned it into 50. But um, yeah, let's take a look at this lineup. Walk us through what's going on here. Obviously, you had John Rahm who, who took down the event. And then Davis Thompson at the bottom there, who I think was pretty much the guy that uh, brought it home for you, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I'm not the first one to say this, but if you're mass multi-entering, you know, in these large fields and I don't do it all the time. I just, I just thought this, that week, American express, um, there were just so many value plays with upside. Um, but that's, you have to target upside uh, more often than not. When you do that, your lineup will completely bust, but when the ceiling actually hits, you know, this is kind of what can happen. And so, you know, Rom, Montgomery, and Dietrich were part of, of one of my three-player cores. And I know some people like to build four-player cores. You know, I mostly do three because it gives more wiggle room to fit other guys in and kind of decreases some of the variance. So those three obviously have tons of upside. And, again, people are going to find out about Thomas Dietrich. You know, he's a world-class player. He's played and had success all over the world. Um, and so he's just very underrated. And you can see he came in only 9% ownership. And then Davis Thompson, you know, he was kind of my last man in, uh, you know, he's a kid who he had popped a couple of times before. And I just thought on these easier courses, you know, he kind of had the highest ceiling in those lower ranges. Um, and then you have, you know, Adam Haven, Chris, uh, Chris Kirk, you know, kind of two consistent veteran type players. And so they were kind of my two anchors. Now, some people kind of uh, might consider them, you know, more low ceiling plays, and they typically are. But you have to remember, uh, Adam Hadwin's course history at the American Express is impeccable. And Chris Kirk was coming off a third place finish at the Sony the week before. So, you know, it kind of just all came together with all six players reaching their ceiling. And uh, uh, that's kind of how it has to happen for you to kind of get to the top of, uh, you know, a contest with a 40 plus thousand people playing. Oh my God. I mean, it doesn't that feel incredible to be the best guy in the field of 40,000 people. So um, I just want to ask you one more question about this before we kind of move on. And when it comes to betting on a guy's upside, what, what exactly do you mean by that? Like what, what is it that you're looking for, for an upside in a, in a golfer? Is it, you know, how many times he finishes inside the top 10 or does he have a sp specific skill set that you're kind of targeting or, or what, what to you, um, screams upside. Yeah. So what I'll often do is I'll go to the, you know, each player's, you know, event log and just kind of see, and there are certain things I run where I can test, you know, you know, how many times a player's gaining, you know, more than four strokes per round. Um, and yeah, they're going to have some of these high upside players, you know, they'll have rounds where they lose three strokes a bunch of times. Um, and so I'm kind of looking for, you know, those players who kind of tend to pop. Um, and of course, Putting is kind of the big X factor. Now, a lot of the guys I had in this lineup, Montgomery, Hadwin, Kirk, they're great putters. Uh, so I didn't have to worry about that as much. <clears throat> but I think even like this week, you know, there's certain guys who, you know, 
Poa, as we all know, is a difficult service to putt on, the most difficult. And so it's a little different this week. Um, but, you know, I think it, it fits every week. You know, you're just kind of looking for guys who maybe they have everything going tee to green, but they tend to pop with the putter as well. So that's just kind of another angle that I, I look at for kind of looking at guys who could reach kind of a ceiling type of a score. I love it. That's a really cool little tidbit to kind of take a note there if you are listening to what Ron has to say after taking down a massive GPP, which is something that we all dream of and wish for when we grow up one day. So congrats, Ron, and I'm very proud of you. I almost, almost wore my $100 bill shirt just to celebrate your victory, but that's kind of reaching, right? I, I feel like I wore the golf one just because, but the 100 is for me. I need to wear it when I succeed, and you're my co-host. It was close too, but I was very proud of you and, and it was awesome to see that. So congratulations one more time. Thank you. All righty. So Pebble Beach, we've got Pebble Beach slate this week. We've got four guys in the top the top 10K range here. We've got Jordan Spieth, Victor Hovland, Matt Fitzpatrick, and Tom Hoagie. I was just cooking some eggs right before the show, Ron, and I, I love myself some avocados. And there's an avocado in this, in this foursome over here. He's never good when he's too ripe. He's never good if he's too hard, but when you cut open that avocado and the pip falls out perfectly and all the ingredients in that avocado are just everything you're looking for from a golfer's perspective, that's a Tom Hoagie. You never know exactly what you're going to be getting from the guy, but when he is at his best, he's something that I, I really look forward to playing this week. And I know he's going to be a bit more of a risky play, but I think he's going to be one of the much lower owned guys of the three because he's not, you know, a premium talent like Victor, Spieth, and Matt. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I'm probably going to pair him up with Matt Fitzpatrick and, and maybe some Victor Hovland this week. I think I'm going to be as much out on Spieth as I can be. I think he's, you know, the the most volatile of the, the big three names in the field. And you got to kind of pick your battle. So that's kind of where I'm leaning there. Um, I know they've Spieth's got a great course history, but I'm out. You know, I just have to have to pick my poison, and Spieth is that this week. So, how are you kind of approaching the the 10k range here? Yeah, so weeks like this where you have kind of an extremely top heavy little group here. You know, it's not a big group like some tournaments. You know, we see a much larger group like Farmers last week. Um, but yeah, you 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 have these four guys, and you know you you may add Seamus power to this kind of a little bit, but, um, sure. so yeah, um, it's, it's tough because I think when you have the lower tiers, even getting into the nine and eight K range, you see some of these prices, like, you know, Andrew Putnam, God bless him, but 9,700, like that is really tough to swallow. So, um, I think if you're mass multi-entering, you know, and, and I would say if, if you're playing more than 50 lineups, I think you almost should play all four of these guys. Yeah, um, I agree. that's what I'm going to do. Um, but as far as how I would rank them, you know, Spieth is, is just so interesting. He's a conundrum. You know, he's made 10 of 10 cuts here, six top 10s. Of course, you know, you talked about the course history is amazing. Um, I even read somewhere that, um, you know, seven out of the last eight times after he's missed a cut the week he comes back, he finishes in the top 20. But again, at this price, we don't want a top 20. We almost need a top five from yeah. him. So Again, I don't know if he can get there, but again, if you're a course history truther, um, you know, he's probably going to be my lowest guy on this list. Um, I, I, I love Fitzpatrick. You know, the more I look into it, mm. you know, say what you want about Spieth's course history and Victor Hovland's talent, but 
from every angle, Fitzpatrick is the best golfer in this field. He's the most well-rounded. Um, I think with three courses in play, and even though they do all play somewhat similar, I just think his ability to be good in every area, I think fits. I know his approach, especially from these ranges, 75 to 150, is a little bit lacking. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's got the course history. And a lot of people, a lot of people are forgetting, I think, that the 2019 U.S. Open was here. Okay, he finished 12th there. He finished 6th here last year. So sure. I think he's, he's my top guy for sure. Um, and then same thing with Victor Hovland. You know, he was 38th here back in 2020, but he won the USAM here. He was 12th. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know if he was 12th at that U.S. Open, but I know he ranked kind of in the top 15 at that same 2019 U.S. Open. Okay. Um, you know, his special skill, obviously, is approach. I think these tiny greens could allow him to separate himself from the field. Um, and he's actually very solid putting on POA. So, you know, if I'm ranking these guys, um, Fitz, Hovland, and then Spieth, but dropping down to Tom Hoagie, you know, I don't think you can say a bad thing about him. He actually finished first in my model for the week. I know we talked about this with him before. His iron play is just amazing from those, you know, those wedge type ranges. And, uh, you know, we've seen guys go back to back recently. And so I'm not really worried about that. Um, you know, people talk about that a lot. You know, guys aren't going to go back to back at the same event. But I really think he's in play here. And I will try to be overweight on the field uh, with him and Fitzpatrick more than the other two. Absolutely. I was taking a look at Tom Hoagie's round by round approach numbers, Ron. He has not lost on approach in the 2023 season. Every single time he's teed it up, he has gained strokes on approach, which is incredible. And he's he's one of the most elite iron players in the field right now and or in the world, in for a matter of fact. So I'm all aboard. If he's going to be 10% less owned than these other guys, I'm totally on, on board with that. Mixing him in, playing him solo, and then going down lower, I'm all fine with that. I mean, the course history speaks volumes and He's obviously a little risky, and I'm totally okay, obviously, taking on a little more risk there. So, yeah. So, what? You probably agree with me. You're going to go Tom, Matt, Victor, Spieth? Yes, sir. Yep. As your, as, and I think I'm on board with you there, too. Victor does intrigue me because I think he's one of the leading birdie makers of the bunch here. So, from a DFS perspective, I think that's something you can definitely think about. But I, I love I love our rankings already there. So, 9K range. We've got Seamus Power, Andrew Putnam, Maverick McNeely, Justin Rose, Matt Kuchar, Denny McCarthy, Keith Mitchell, and Joel Damon. It's an interesting range. It's a bunch of kind of old school dudes. Uh, we've got, got Justin Rose and Matt Kuchar sitting in the middle of the range here. Andrew Putnam, like you mentioned, 9,700. And Seamus is just 98. And he's going to be one of the highest owned players in the field too because he was a fantastic player last year minus 16 through the first two rounds and kind of just uh wet the bed a little bit there on the on the weekend but i i love sheamus this week i think maverick mcneely is also a great play but if there's going to be a guy that's high owned that leans on a putter to do the majority of his damage i think i'm okay uh skipping out on that guy for the week because or at least not getting heavily involved with him because Putting is so temperamental. I know, you know, the Cam Smiths of the world, Maverick McNeely, he's he's a good putter generally, but 
man, putting can go astray quite quickly. We've seen that with like John Rahm on a Sunday and things like that. So I just don't think Maverick McNeely is going to be able to ever win a golf tournament. I just have that opinion of him too. I know uh, there's other people in the industry that sentiment that with me. So talk to me about some guys that you like in this, in the top of the nine K range, Aaron. Yeah. I love Seamus. Um, when those odds dropped uh, 28 initially, 28, 28 to one. So yes. yeah, I, I, I just think, um, you know, his experience, especially on coastal type courses, you know, having grown up in Ireland, um, you know, you saw him last year here. He was the 36 hole leader by five strokes until he yeah. collapsed um, down the stretch. But, you know, another thing for me is, you know, just the, the similar, the comp courses, you know, he's one at Bermuda. Just, that was just three months ago. Port Royal is a very similar course um, to, to Pebble Beach. Um, since Mayakoba. that win, he's got two. Do what? Mayakoba. Yep, Mayakoba. Yep. yep. And yeah, so he's got two top fives since that win and four top 25s. Um, you know, he's gaining 1.3 strokes per round over his last 24 rounds. Um, you know, he's just, he's, he's so consistent. And that's what I love about him to the point where he kind of gives himself a chance every week. Um, and so I don't think you can go wrong. I love Seamus. Um, Andrew Putnam, you know, he's a guy who, you know, if you're playing a cash lineup, I mean, he's made what, 14 straight cuts in a row. You know, he's got five top 15s in that stretch. He was sixth here last year. He just finished fourth at the Sony. You know, so he's one of those guys where I don't know if he's going to get you a GPP win at that price. I just don't know if he's – can he finish in the top five? Maybe. Um, you know, and, and this is a week where I'm going to have to – I'm trying to put aside some of my own biases against players. I know some people, blacklist guys. Kucher, for example, I have not played him in maybe three or four years. But – like he finished 10th in my model overall. And, you know, when you look at his recent results, like they're actually really good. Um, you know, so he's a guy who I think I'm going to have to get a little exposure to. Um, the other guy, though, I will say that you kind of discounted here a little bit. Maverick McNeely, if he's ever mm -hmm. going to win, it's going to be here. Um, of course, you know, his family has a home right on the course. You know, he was second here back in 21, fifth and 20. He's gaining a 1.43 strokes um, over his last – 30 rounds, which is the third best in this field. You know, he's just so consistent when he plays out West. He's number one in my model for, you know, performance on West Coast courses. Um, one of the best putters in the world. You know, obviously that's really important this week on POA. And so, you know, I, if you're playing one and done, I think he's a good pick just because, you know, if he's going to win anywhere, it's going to be here. Um, and so I am going to have a lot of McNeely as well. Um, really, the other guys down here, I'm mostly going to be out on. Um, because I think when we get into the seven and eight K range, if I'm playing, if I'm playing at least two guys up top in the lineup, you know, I'm going to have to skip a lot of guys in this range. Um, so yeah. those will be my main, my main two here, power and uh, McNeely and maybe a little Kucher. Yeah. It kind of looks like ownership kind of stops being really chalky. Once you get past Mav. you know, Justin Rose, Matt Kucher, kind of guys that people won't necessarily want to click. I will be clicking. A hefty amount of Matt Kuchar this week. He finished fourth in my model run. His approach play has been great since the new season's begun. And he's obviously a fantastic short game specialist, which he's always been. He's, he's the best in the field around the greens this week. 10% Matt Kuchar. Hello. Let's go. I mean, he's he's been rattling off some some serious results. That, that terrible start he had at the Sony, making three bogeys in a row to start off the week, and then still finished T7. So he's just... He's just really shining right now, and I think he goes to a golf course that really um, like amplifies his skill set, which 
I'm totally on board for him, especially with some good course history. And he doesn't necessarily have the best course history, but he's played okay in the past. But he's playing some really good golf now. I don't think he's been playing this level of golf for quite some time. So we'll see what we can get out of Matt Kuchar. And then I've got an outright on Joel Damon. I really like what he's doing. I know he hasn't been playing for a while. But if you take a look at what he was doing prior to his like last little break of, of from golf, three top tens, two of them were top fives. The guy's ball striking was through the roof. It was sensational stuff. And and that's what you hope for from him again. Yeah, And he's played good golf at this venue. Sign me up for Joel Damon. I'm all in on him. Now, let me say just two two little things about Damon here. So the reason I'm a little hesitant on him, number one, he's he's a guy who when he kind of you can see the great performance coming. And it's and he's even admitted this. Usually it takes him a couple of weeks to get going once he's had a long break. Oh, boy. And his caddy, Gino, who um, I DM'd with, and he basically said he has no idea what to expect this week. Like we could see anything from, from Joel this week. And so – you know, Joel is one of those characters, Gino, maybe the best caddy on tour. Um, so, you know, those are just things to consider. Now, again, he does have great history here and this is a weaker field. So, you know, anything can happen here at Pebble Beach. Um, but those are just, you know, a couple things to, to consider. Um, so that's why I'm not playing him. But go ahead. I think if you haven't played for a while and, and his putter is probably the biggest issue. I think the ball striking will kind of stick around, you know, that can lag lag through after a break, but putting is his biggest problem. And I know that after some time off for golf, sometimes my first round back is really good. It should not have been because I haven't swung a golf club in forever, but there's just no expectations. And he's just had a kid. I think he could be playing some of the freest golf that he, he has had the opportunity to play in quite some time, especially with some recent good form. So, I'm willing to take a gamble on him a little bit, you know, um, especially at this kind of price. I think nine thousand bucks flat is is affordable for him, and and okay to take on that that risk of of what you've just mentioned now, which Joel Damon and and Co. You know, Gino, they they're quite a fun bunch, and you never know what you're going to be getting from those two characters. So um, love that, and that's pretty much it for me too in this range. I don't think I'm going to be too obsessed with anybody else. Um, I'll be actually, I've got two matchups against Taylor Pendrith, so I will not be playing him at all this week. I'm not entirely sure what everyone's seeing from him. You know, his biggest strength is off the tee for distance, and that's basically washed away here at this venue. Next up, we've got some Thomas Dietrich, Alex Smalley, Ben Griffin, some chalkier plays down in the in the top of the eight here. Kevin Kisner makes an appearance on the West Coast, which we don't typically see. Rounded out by some Dean Burmester, Taylor Moore, David Lipsky, Eric Van Royen, and Nick Taylor. Um, they're all sitting in this range of the 8Ks. Some of them quite popular, some good course history from a few of them. I know that um, Nick Taylor's a past winner here, and we've seen you know Ben Griffin do some fantastic things on similar golf courses. So talk to me about some guys that you're really liking in this range here, Ron. So the two I'm highest on um, are right there at 8,800, 8,700. I really love uh, Thomas Dietrich, Alex Smalley, both of those guys. Mm -hmm. um, and Dietrich, kind of like what I said, um, talking about in my lineup earlier, you know, when you look at his, you know, not only does he bring upside, you know, finished second in Bermuda, top 10 at the Sanderson farms. He was 10th at the Scottish open. That was a very strong field. And he finished 10th, another coastal course there, uh, the Renaissance club. Um, so yeah, he, he is just so consistent when you look at his results. Yeah. The fact that he's played, you know, DP world tour events, he's played around the world. Um, you know, I think, People are going to really get to know him a lot more. And uh, 
So while his popularity is still, you know, somewhat maybe not as high as it should be, um, I'm going to continue to be high on him. Um, and again, you know, I know Pebble, you know, the trends as far as the betting trends piece of, you know, I posted on Twitter, you know, a whole bunch of those are based on guys who had experience at Pebble. Okay. But again, he's 8,800. So I don't necessarily need him to win this, but you know, top five, top 10, I think he's very capable of that. Yeah. Um, Alex Smalley, I know he's kind of inching up there in ownership. Um, but yeah, he's another guy who plays really good on coastal courses. Um, I think he's another kind of one of my breakout candidates this year that, you know, I kind of see him continuing to, to kind of get to another level. I know he doesn't have a ton of POA experience and putting is another one of his weaknesses. Um, just really quick on Ben Griffin. I am not playing him. You know, when I see him approaching 15, 18%, I mean, this is a yeah. guy, no, this is a guy nobody even heard of six months ago. Um, so I'm fading him and I'm not really scared by it. Um, I like okay. he, he, ha he has 10 career tour starts and yes, the approach numbers are off the charts. Like, like he's coming and he's lit it on fire. Um, but you know, he has no pebble experience. He's an East coast guy from North Carolina. Um, you know, very little Poe experience uh, on those types of greens as well. So, you know, if he was around 10%, I would consider, but yeah, when you get up to 8,600, uh, when I've got, you know, guys in the upper seven K range, like, you know, we'll get to Brendan Todd, Scott, mm. Scott Stallings, you know, I just, in my mind, I'd rather drop down to those guys and take you know, some guys up in the upper ranges above, above Griffin here. So, um, and yeah, are we, are we going to do the bottom eights or are we, I don't know if you, we were doing those now or. Sure. Um, yeah, I can, yeah, go for it. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go first. I think a very intriguing play this week is Eric van Royen. Uh, I'm really interested to see what he can get up to. Is he, are we catching that avocado at the right time? Right. And he's, he's coming in this week with some of the, the most insane form. He's just kind of popped out of nowhere and he's hot to trot. So at 8,000 bucks, I think that's a very fair price for a guy that's shown some flashes lately. He's a very volatile player. I'm not entirely confident that he's going to repeat what he's been doing lately, but worth a shot, you know, especially if you're uh, multi-entering. I think that's a, a great little play there from, from EBR side of things and my South African boy always got to endorse those guys. Um, I think Trey Molinax is an interesting guy too from a very contrarian perspective he's he's one of those long bombers that i think a lot of people will kind of um kind of ride off from their player pool because that's where he does the majority of his damage from but i kind of like him this week from a very very obscure perspective so those are some two guys that i think you know once you get to the bottom of this 8k range things start getting a little sketchy um is there anyone that you're leaning on a little bit more really quick i think there are two plays in this range that they're pretty low owned right now. Um, and going back up to Taylor Pendrith really quick, you know, he might be the most interesting leverage play on this board. And I know you've seen it as well, that his, his wedges and his irons are just not good, but surprisingly when I did the research, you know, and he does grade out well on shorter type courses. Um, you know, and I know his, his, his strength is kind of his distance off the tee, but I mean, when you look at it from a, a bigger picture, he probably is one of the maybe top 10 most talent, talented golfers in this field. Um, so I think he's interesting, you know, at 5% ownership. Um, and I agree with you on Molinax, you know, he's, he's very similar to Pendrith. You know, I think both him and Pendrith mm. are those high ceiling plays that I, I talked about earlier, you know, that even if, you know, if they're 5%, even if you can just double the field and get up to 10% on those two guys, 
you know, that's one of the boomer bust, you know, type plays that could pay off for you. Um, the, the other guy that I do like, and, and David Lipsky, I know his ownership is, is creeping up as well, but I think he's a perfect fit uh, for this course. Two top tens this season. You know, he was fourth at the Sony. Sony. He's another one similar to Dietrich that, you know, some people might not know. You know, he's played all over the world. Um, he's a kind of a Euro DP World Tour veteran who's come over here to America and is, is kind of playing full time on the PGA Tour now. Um, and yeah, I'll agree with you on Van Royen. Um, I initially had no desire to play him, but when I ran my approach model, I, I actually was shocked that he was so good in that 75 to 150 range. Um, and so to me, you know, yeah, he's. Yeah. He's kind of one of the scary plays on the board just because you just don't know what you're going to get from him. Uh, but I think we kind of had to have to ride that finish that he had when he, you know, recently finished, uh, you know, sixth place um, uh, a couple weeks ago. So, um, and then you got Nick Taylor. Nick Taylor, I've never, I don't know if Nick Taylor's ever been in the AK range before, but, you know, he's won here just three years ago. He's made five straight cuts. Um, he has multiple top 30 finishes at uh, similar courses. So, I do like a, a little bit of Nick Taylor as well. Yes. I uh, I wanted to mention him too because he's just – I think he's going to be a steady play for you. I don't know how much, you know, upside he, he does possess, but also we're talking about an $8,000 golfer right now. And and I think he he's either going to give you safety or and you can go with EVR and give you that upside kind of thing. Maybe you just pair them together. Who the heck knows? But it is interesting because once we start getting into the 7K ranges, we're going to run out of – talent quite quickly and you can see where all the people are clicking because the talent is pretty obvious and there's a few guys that are catching a bit of steam and i think someone like scott stallings and brendan todd will nick hardy action um will gordon is another interesting character in the 7k range here um we've got ourselves some russell knox and kurt katayama bo hasler and then some matthew neesmith we'll stop there and kind of just um holy cow with a heck typed all of these in, yeah, this, that's impressive. Um, we got, yeah, so I'm loving some Brendan Todd. He's actually sixth in my model, and he does the three things you're looking for. He drives it accurately, he hits his wedges incredibly well, and he's also a very good putter and has a great short game around the greens. I don't know why it's never really translated to success at Pebble. Hopefully, you know, if you trust the model, and hopefully that kind of pulls through this week, I think at this price. He definitely provides you with a good shot at getting inside the top 10 there at a course like this. What, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, yeah. I think this range from 79 down to 75, I think this is the range that's going to win for people here because there's so many guys here um, that I think you can confidently pair with some of the upper tier guys. I'll start with Scott Stallings. I think Stallings is one of the best values on the slate. Um, he finished seven my model overall. Uh, if you remember, it was just six months ago where he was kind of going top 10 after top 10 finish. Um, if, I mean, if, if today were six months ago, I think he would be priced around 9,500 in this event. Mm -hmm. um, um, he kind of had two blow up events where he lost 14 strokes at the tour championship. He lost four strokes at the CJ cup. Um, so I think when people are researching that might skew the numbers a little bit, um, but I think he's a great play here. He's had some success here at the past. Um, Brendan Todd, that's, that's pretty amazing because he finished sixth in my model as well. I think, Ooh. you know, he's a, he's a guy. Yes. I think he can win here. I think Brendan Todd can win this week. Um, his weakness, which is off the tee, you know, obviously that's mitigated on these shorter courses um, with, you know, the rough is not really penal. There's not a lot of hazards. 
he's a guy who tends to spike. And this is what I was talking about earlier. When you look at his uh, vent log, he tends to spike um, with his irons. Um, he's a really good poet putter. And so he kind of checks all the boxes this week. Um, yeah. Of course, Davis Riley, we know what he's capable of with, with his approach game. You have Robbie Shelton, who's borderline elite uh, with approach. Um, yeah. Since he's returned to the tour, he's got five top 25s, two top 10s. Right below him, Nick Hardy, another great ball striker who – Nick Hardy. Yep, another guy who kind of thrives on these coastal courses. You know, he's got top 25s at the Sony, Bermuda, Mayakoba. Um, he's made set his last seven cuts in a row. Um, Lonto Griffin is another guy who, you know, some people might shy away from just because, you know, he's, he's this is only his third start back from injury. But, you know, he's finished ninth and 16th here. He's a Cali guy. He's good on POA, you know. So this, this whole range, and, and you said Will Gordon – um, yep. You know, one of my breakthrough guys this year, another coastal track guy, uh, even Kirk Kitayama, who's really good from that 75 to 125 range. Um, another guy who's played around the world, these conditions, all three courses, you know, it's not going to bother him. Um, so, you know, you can, I just love this range. Even Russell Knox, you know, Russell Knox uh, excels in all conditions. You know, if we got some wind this week, which we looks like we might have a little bit, um, one of the best wind players in the field. Um, he's made nine of 10 cuts this year. So there's a lot of safety here. And, you know, yes. if you're kind of playing three guys up top, kind of mix and match with three guys in this range. And I think that's a great strategy this week. Yeah. So I want to just talk to you about Russell Marks real quick and get your opinion. Cause he's obviously, I have him in my fantasy leagues because I love that he makes a ton of cuts, but holy cow, Ron, he's only finished inside the top 10 in 4% of his starts in the last 27 rounds or events. So the upside for Russell Knox to me is just is not there, but maybe I think one of those 4% numbers in there is from this course last year. So he's definitely got the ability to take down courses like this, but he's popping off in my model so hard right now because of the approach play. But every time I play him, it's just T40, you know, T35. The guy's just never, ever sitting inside the top 20, which for me, it's it's a bit of a problem. Um, I'm I'm willing to go to other players like you know um, Alanto or, or Will Gordon too. Um, let's go down to the bottom here a little bit more. I got I got my eye on Nate Lashley and Matthew Neesmith. They're both two guys I have on the outright board for myself. And you know Neesmith sitting at seventy three hundred dollars. I got him ranked ninth. Guys, irons are perfect for this golf course. Um, He's he just does well here. He's played well here before. I think he he was one of those guys that made the cut last year, but never managed to play the weekend. The MDF um, made but didn't finish or something. I think is the the terminology there. He's he's got it all. And if you if you were betting like you just said about Scott Stallings, if we were betting and and DFSing this week going into the time that was the the Houston Open. Matthew Neesmith had just rattled off three top tens. So I'm all about Matthew Neesmith. He's missed three consecutive cuts in a row now, but I, I like where he's going with his game and how it translates to a course like this. And and Nate Lashley is that same guy. He's like a miniature version of, of Brendan Todd. So I'm all aboard those guys. Um, would be remiss to not mention Justin Lowe and Aaron Badley, who I think are two guys that, you know, in, this, in the bottom of the 7K range are, are interesting, especially Badley. He's... He's a guy that hasn't been on tour for a hot minute. I think he's kind of playing on like mini exemptions and top 10 exemptions after finishing inside the top 10 twice the season already. He's he's finished inside the top 10. So I love what he can get up to here. I love how his game translates from a short game perspective at Pebble. 
So there's there's a lot to go on. And then freaking Mark Hubbard somehow just keeps on getting into my model in the top 10 and, and it's driving me nuts. I I don't know how much I'm going to play him, but I'm going to have him in a lineup or two. I, I can't not play Mark Hubbard. Um, there's a time that his game's going to just turn around and he's going to be right up there. So those are some guys I'm kind of eyeing in this range. Yeah, um, for me, uh, Joseph Bramlett is a guy who um, I've played a bunch the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, he was 13th at Torrey Pines. You know, most people kind of think of him as a bomber type. But again, digging into the numbers, and I, I kind of dug into approach more than I ever have, just kind of looking for any edge I could find. And, you know, his wedge and short iron game is very underrated. He's also great on par fives. Um, and, and those par fives, you know, the ones on Pebble are tougher, but the ones on the other two courses, you know, I think he's the guy who can really take advantage of those. Mm -hmm. um, Grayson Sig is kind of in that, um, you know, Brendan Todd mold as well. Very consistent. Uh, I think he brings a combination of safety with some upside. So, you know, he's another guy. And, and kind of all these guys down here are, are for me at least, because the 6K range is pretty bleak. You know, these are kind of the last guy in your lineup type of players. Yeah. Um, love Matthew Neesmith completely agree with you. You know, he's missed two cuts this year by a total of three strokes. So he's close to breaking through again. We want ball strikers here, especially good approach players. And, you know, he fits that for sure. I think Nate Lashley is a guy who, you know, he was one of the eight players who fit, um, each of the seven trends, um, for oh. me. And, you know, he, he finished fifth and 21. He was seventh at the Sony, um, if you look at his um, event log, you know, his irons have been kind of steadily improving. Um, and he's another guy who loves these coastal tracks, uh, and he's a veteran. Um, and then my last two down here, I'll go down to Justin Lauer. Um, you know, he struggled last week, and he's not really built for those longer um, power courses like Torrey Pines. So he's really good on these kind of shorter courses where putting matters. Um, you know, he's gained strokes with the putter in 11 of his last 12 events. So I, I do like him kind of as an upside play down here as well. And then finally, uh, Troy Merritt. Um, he's another, you know, kind of going back to my lineup from a couple weeks ago. He kind of fits the Adam Hadwin of this course. You know, this this is his happy place. You know, he's finished 8th, 25th, 16th, 4th in his last four trips here. Um, you know, he kind of leans on his irons and putting, which is exactly what we want here. I'm on these three courses. Um, so I really think he, just like um, other guys we've mentioned, kind of gives you that safety along with some upside just based on his uh, course history. Yeah. No, I, I I, love those. And this is the range I think a lot of people are going to be picking on because once we get into the sixes, yeah, it gets gets dire, gets sad. You know, it's, it's rotten avocado central all the way through the 6K range. So you really got to... You got to go through the bargain bin and see what we can find. But starting off, I'm I'm kind of in in the mood to play a little bit of Luke Donald. He's also one of these guys that's got a reasonable course history. We've seen him pop and do some things over in Europe. You know, I think he he was leading the leading after round one for one of the days. Um, he's he's a casual sixty nine hundred dollars, and he's an exceptional iron player. I think he was in one of the lineups that I had that actually took down a little $3 three entry max last year at this venue. And he was part of that gang. So he affords you that price tag to kind of go up the leaderboard and, and grab some premier names up there. Austin cook. I'm always going to mention, I know he's, he's a bit of an interesting character because he doesn't have that much distance off the tee. I don't think, but <clears throat> he's super accurate and his irons have actually been kind of hot for a guy that's 6,900 bucks. So I'm going to be playing a little bit of Austin cook. He's, he's been, 
one of these guys that I've had my eye on for a while, and, and I think he's going to break out soon. Um, and then let's throw a little bit of Satoshi Kodaira is another name that I've completely thought about since, since submitting the names, yeah. But he he played quite nicely at the Farmers, and I don't think that even suits his game that much. I think he's more of a plotter, more of an, an accuracy-based player, and I think he's going to excel here too. He's, his irons are so good. So these are some guys I'm looking at here. A little bit of Ryan armor action always is something I'm looking to do and and have these guys just kind of sprinkled throughout the lineup. So nothing too crazy. I have taken some some advice from you in in kind of taming my affection for these guys in the 6K range because they do not produce the results that you do see when you're researching them. So do you have anybody that you kind of got your eyes on this week, Ron? So, yeah, this is um, an area where there's really not not a single play. Usually there's at least one guy that excites me that I'm like, oh, mm. I can play some of him. Um, for me, there's there's a couple of guys who – so Doug Gim, California guy, you know, he's, you know, one of the best ball strikers in this range. Um, he's just so awful with his short game and his putting that you just don't know what to expect. But, you know, hoping maybe some of that California – Poet experience will, will pop for him this week. Um, you know, a guy like Jimmy Walker, who won here back in 2014, you know, he finished 13th last week at Torrey. Yes. Jimmy. But he's another guy. He's just up and down. So, and, and all these guys for me that I'm mentioning now, maybe 5%. These are like 5% guys. Um, so just kind of sprinkling here and there. I think Chesson Hadley's a guy who, with his approach game combined with his putter, can do some damage. Um, Henrik Norlander. Um, another guy who is kind of known for, you know, being really good with his irons, uh, plays well on coastal courses, uh, dropping down to Ben Martin. Ben Martin is actually probably my most favorite guy down here. I think when you look at his uh, edge ranges from 75 to 125, he's actually third in the entire field um, when I ran the numbers. So I think just based on that alone, and I, I think it's totally fun to, to grasp on to just, even if it's just one stat, we all know how important those wedges are going to be this week. Um, and so he's a play I like. Um, and then the last guy I'll mention here, um, Cameron Percy just always seems to pop for me. Um, no matter what course it is, actually, even last week at Torrey Pines, which was an awful fit for him. Um, and it showed uh, when he missed the cut badly. But, you know, I think I think this is a course where, you know, the wind kicks up. Um, he's a veteran. He's played here many times before. So I think he's another guy's uh, worth a sprinkle at 6,700. Yeah, I I love it. And just, you know, that's what you're doing with these guys. You're just you're putting them into your the bottom of your lineups with the core and kind of just rolling from there, trying to get get that upside, get that leverage play, the guy that's going to be one or two percent owned that's gonna pull in like a a um a Davis Thompson type situation like you showed us earlier. So that's definitely something we're kind of taking a peek at. And now we've got a, a fun little part of the show that we kind of gonna begin this year and we we're going head-to-head. Head. You and me, I'm going to take your ass down this week, Ron. It's going to be how we go about picking these lineups. Is going to be one guy from each range, and then however we've kind of chosen which side of the range we're going to go for each one, you'll have some leftover salary, and then you can pick whichever guy you want from there on out. So do we want to go 1-1 one, one, and then kind of go from the 10K, pick one each, and it's it's like a snake-type draft, so once a guy's been picked, it's it's she's gone. Um, yep, let's do it that way. And then uh, next week, every week, uh, we will talk about our lineups and uh, we'll see who gets to brag each week. Perfect. So age before beauty, you go ahead and fire away. 
All right, well, I'm gonna start. So the 10K range, I have to go with the number one guy on my model. So I'm gonna go with Tom Hoagie. Um, okay. So it leaves you with some good options up top though. Yeah, all right. So I'll take Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, I was gonna take Hoagie myself too. I don't mind, you know, spending an extra hundred bucks on on Maddie. So that's okay. But I do, I would have gone Hoagie too. All right. So then I'll go next. In we're gonna just kind of snake it. Yeah. Um, I am gonna take Matt Kucha. Ninety four hundred bucks. I think I'm 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 a big fan of him this week. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna go with the California kid. I think uh, Mag McNeely is almost guaranteed for a top twenty. Um, I think he has the upside to definitely finish higher. Uh, perhaps this is the week he gets that first win. So uh, he'll be my 9K range guy. Okay. Um, I am going to then take EVR. I'm going I'm going all crazy over the board here. And EVR is a nice flat 8K. I do need to save some salary because, um, I mean, it's it's looking grim already. We've only got 7,500 bucks left. So who's, who's your 8K guy? So I'm going to dip down to the lower 8K range, and I'm going to go with David Lipsky at 8,200. Okay. So, so far, Tom Hoagie, David Lipsky, and Mav McNeely for you. And then you've got a 7K pick next. I'm going to, let's see here. There's, this is the hard range for me because there's yeah. so many great options. Uh, I'm going to go Brendan Todd. I think he finished so high, and I'm sorry to take him if that was your choice, but I think he is a pick with a lot of upside, like we mentioned, so 7,900. Yeah. No, I, I love Brendan Todd. So, okay, you'll force my hand to a, Nate, a, a Matthew Neesmith. I'll take Matthew Neesmith. I think what he's – he's also very affordable, 7,300 bucks. I think he's a, he's a very nice salary saver down here if you are looking for a, a relatively safe dude. So then we got to go into the sixes. That's the rules, and then we'll figure out where we go from there. So I am going to go with my guy, if I can find him. Oh, you know what? I'm going with Brian Gay, $6,500. And I just, the old school cat, I think he's going to do his thing around this course. Um, very similar vibes to Bermuda, where we know he's played fantastically. I'll just take him at 6500 bucks. He's one of the few guys I've got a bit of trust in, especially for three rounds. Um, let that putter light up a little bit and, and see what he can get up to. All right. Well, I'm going with my guy who, um, coastal guy, great wedge player, Ben Martin, 6,700 is my 6K guy. Okay. So 6K, that's what you picked, Ben Martin. And what does that leave you with now? So I have 7,600. Um, okay. And so I will round that out with, Lanto Griffin, um, he finished pretty high in my model as well. He finished high in my core four, which kind of looks at the most important stats for the week. And so I'm not, I'm pretty confident he's fully healthy again. And so Lanto Griffin, and uh, that rounds it out for me. Yeah, I'm having a bit of a tough time in the in this 8K range. It's once you get past Dietry, man, it's it's tough to make some clicks here. Um, what do you have left? I've got $8,700, so I've got Alex Smalley, Ben Griffin, Kisner, Burmester, Taylor Moore, David Lipsky. Oh, you've taken David Lipsky, hey? So yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Ben Griffin. Um, I feel like with EVR and Kucha and um, those, why do I have Grayson Sig in my lineup? Who did I take in this? I've done this whole thing. 
I took uh, Matthew Neesmith, but he's the same price. Yes. Okay. Good. Yep. Um, yeah, I'll take, I'll take, um, I'll take Ben Griffin. I don't mind him this week. Oh yeah. I don't mind him at all. So to review, I've got Hoagie, McNeely, Lipsky, Todd, Griffin, Lonto Griffin, and Ben Martin. Okay. Then I've got Matty Fitz, Matt Kucha, EVR, Ben Griffin, Brian Gay, and Matthew Neesmith to round out my six. I think that's going to be awesome. We're not going to tell you guys which contest we entered in because that's against the community guideline rules. But me and Ron will be going head to head and it's going to be a great week. I can't wait to to boast on next Wednesday once uh, my boys have taken him down. I don't think we play each other in fantasy either yet soon. It's going to be it's going to be soon, but your team's kicking some ass too in fantasy, which is not surprising, but um yeah, so Betsperts as well, they've got you guys are just crushing it over there nonstop, just absolutely taking things down. Max Homer, what he what did you guys grab him at? 30? Um 30 to 1. Yeah, me and yeah, me and Ryan so, there we go. Some Max Homer love for you guys. As long as the Betsperts crew is crushing it, so can you. Go grab yourself a full year subscription there for 30% off courtesy of Max Homer and the Betsperts squad all being on him and, you know, continuing a fantastic run of results that you guys have just been on. So very, very proud of, of the things you guys are getting up to and um, keep it up. I think we're going to be waiting for for me to join the fray yeah, i think it's time you know i think everyone's been getting in the money it's time for linda q to join the action so um yeah and that's it for uh, i think there's two comments that we've seen here daniel Berger on the thumbnail no okay cool um so that's kind of the things we're kind of looking at this week these are the guys we like um there's a very obvious strategy to go through do you want to get into some showdown strategy ron before we get out of here um yeah really quick um yeah you know checking the wind um you know, it, it yesterday it looked like there was going to be an advantage um, on, uh, let's see, it was on Thursday because winds were picking up around kind of 11. And now they, looking at Pacific time, they're teeing off at right around 8.30. Um, but looking today, like at the moment, winds are picking up, but not until 5 o'clock. And so pretty much everybody will be yeah. off the course by then. Um, if you look to Friday, Friday looks like it's pretty good. Um, there's a few gusts. Um, from time to time, but those sustained winds are pretty low. Yeah. Um, and so at least for those two days, there's not much um, going on now as far as actual strategy. Um, I think Monterey Peninsula is the easiest course. Um, now, they're all three, I think, somewhat similar, but um, I'll probably give a slight edge to those players on Monterey Peninsula. Yeah. Um, so Pebble, Spyglass. Spyglass is, is usually the hardest of the three. Um, when it's calm. So yeah, ever, since everyone's teeing off within that same two hour window, I don't think there's a, there's a whole lot of advantage time-wise. Uh, what any, any thoughts? Yeah, I think I'm going to definitely be, if you take a look at the scores under par um, at, at Monterey, you've seen there's, I think it's like four or five under that the, the top five kind of averages around that venue. Um, and that's going to be where you're going to see the majority of the scoring take place this week. Now there are guys that go like a Nate Lashy that shot like nine or eight under par around Pebble. So if you, if you are going to be stacking a bunch of guys, Montre is the, the way to go, I think, but I'm definitely going to play some of the better golfers on the other courses too, because we've seen a Tony fee now absolutely just go eight under par around Tory, Tory South, which is, you know, fine. So if you've got a good golfer, you can take apart any different golf course and you might get a little bit of an ownership discount there on a showdown slate if he's playing, say, Spyglass and you've got a Tom Hoagie, you know. Um, 
so that's kind of just how I'm kind of looking at it this week. We'll see how how ownership comes in and, and go from there. But and really quick, I got two two other questions here that were posted in our Discord. So first one, do you think the field tries to get two nine eight guys and above at the top of their build this week, given the weakness of the field? What do you think about that? Two guys over nine K is a good strategy, you think? Yeah. Um, you know, I think if you especially if you take a bit of discount at the top and you I mean, uh, is that gonna be a 10K, then two 9K guys? So, like, just two guys 9K and above. So, like, if you took, you know, Power and Hoagie, you know, I think I'm going to do that a lot where I take two, oh, yeah. two guys from up there and, and then just there's so much depth in that 7K range. Yes, I absolutely agree. I think I was almost interpreting that as a 10K and then taking, like, two 9K guys in uh, – I don't even know what that would work out to be. But, you know, there's enough – talent in the bottom of the 7k range that you can just spring you skip that whole 8k range like you mentioned and go to the seven so i'm totally on board with that it's going to be different too and um especially if you get different with the 9k guys that you're picking you know aka matt kucha and then last one here um austin eckrote as a value play i think he's 6700 and yeah he is he is kind of one of those uh, guys who pops with his game. Um, I think Andrew Novak is another guy that I kind of saw in my data who ranks really high in approach. And so, yeah, I think I think both of those guys, Eckrode and Novak, are you know kind of dart throws that you can sprinkle in. Um, if they get hot with their irons, I think both of those guys could uh, shoot up that leaderboard a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at Eckroat's game, he, he makes a he makes a ton of birdies too. So you know, from a DFS perspective, you're going to be getting three rounds of golf. I think also we've we've discussed this before, where the three rounds affords you a little bit of aggression that you can have because if your guy kind of fizzles out, you can still min cash if he doesn't make it into into the final day because he's already got you three guaranteed rounds, right? So that's kind of just a philosophy you can improve increase your aggression on your on your lineup build so yeah we are 53 minutes in yeah my mouth is not working on me anymore but um no those are awesome and i'm glad the guys asked those questions and it's going to be a great week you know I, I do love fields like this everyone's all all pissy about how crap the field is and and the and the viewing and everything but it's the weeks that you try and make the most money and get get goofy out there so Fantastic stuff, Ron. Happy to have you back. I'm so glad that you're back in the seat with me. Let's have another fantastic week, and then we'll see you guys next week for whatever tournament that may be. All right.